Good morning. Good morning, people of planet Earth. This is your host, Hacker Mike. And you are entering into the realm of a new episode of the Stream of Random Podcast. It's around 6.30 in the morning on a cold fall day back in New Jersey, the heart of New Jersey, Trenton, on the Delaware River, where Washington crossed on Christmas Eve to face the British in the first victory of the Revolutionary War. We just came back from the final battlefield, the York, Yorktown battlefield was at Jamesburg I think it was Yorktown where the British were defeated and we saw the birthplace of Washington which was in Virginia in Fredericksburg. So we got some. We had an amazing week and had some time to think. But it was more like work because we were spending so much time trying to see a huge area and so many different cities so quickly but we discovered a new appreciation for American history and uh, the nature of America which is even more extensive in Virginia than it is in New Jersey So, and it's also much colder up here. We were running around in shorts yesterday. Well, yesterday it was raining, but still, it was a lot warmer. The sun is coming up and Venus is ascending to greet me in the east. Let's see if Mars is to be seen. No. I think I'm too late for Mars, but I see another star on my right, which is probably another planet. I wonder what that could be, if it's Jupiter. That would be the south. two jackets on today I put my shit kickers on instead of my running shoes because I do not want to get my feet wet in this cold it's one thing to walk through the rain 
and warm and mild Williamsburg to see the sights. There's another one to freeze your butt off in, in Trenton that we already know we've walked a hundred times or a thousand times. I guess a hundred. A hundred on this podcast, fifty at least. More that more before that. So I've started my fasting today. <clears throat> We're going to see how long we can take it. The goal is to fast for 30 days as a token of my extremism. We'll see how angry I get over the next couple of days. read up on it but we ate so much food in the last week that I feel like I have to do something we were just pigging out on all those good oysters and uh, shrimp and clams no clams crabs and other goodies bread All types of good stuff. And we stayed at my sister's house. And it was really amazing. She has a beautiful house. But my garden is a little bit bigger than hers. She's got like this little narrow strip garden. A little integral. One slice of town. We have a whole plot big difference I guess I'm going to do some gardening today or at least some lawn yeah I notice our listenership has gone down when I'm just rambling for the past week or so And I do recognize that. And sometimes you have to go through slow periods in your therapy session. To deal with some heavy stuff. And yesterday's episode was pretty damn heavy. we're going to try and uh, recap it again because as you remember we're working on our thesis here and we're going to write it up in latex which is a uh, format for publication in books we're going to try and copy the format of the greats And um, 
we have actually a lot of reading to do. For this. But we've worked out some basic ideas. So the things that have been motivating me, I can lay out. People want to know what the theory is to begin with. Like, what is the theory that we're trying to prove? What's the new concept? What is it that we're going to share with the world that's worth even listening to? And people don't want to hear about souls and sparks of God. Not scientists. And they'll laugh that off. But I think we can talk about intelligent or systems capable of input and output with uh, I think we defined the um, consciousness as a function before Maybe a real-time function that takes input from the world, makes decisions, <coughs> takes actions. Isn't that what a computer is? And couldn't a computer try and communicate with another computer? A computer could also write a program. A computer could take all the actions in the computer world that a person could. And in effect, the computer takes those actions on behalf of a person due to the input given to it through the language or user interface. So I guess it would be tempting to just leave the person out. But I want to put the person in or say that <clears throat> See, for the artists, when they develop their theories of art that we're listening to, they don't have a problem with leaving the person in. 
I guess we have to really do some reading if this has already been done and not reinvent the wheel. And um, just listening to me think about it while I'm walking must be driving people crazy. Stop the hammering! I don't know how much further we can get by just thinking about it on a podcast. If we're going to have to. sit down and contemplate this in silence, but recording your voice and listening to it does give you an extra memory function, and it is much more memorable. Things that you do, you tend to remember more than things that you just think about. So, my son likes to watch YouTube videos about Minecraft, and then go and do those things in Minecraft, which is, I guess, the definition of understanding. we talked about yesterday, people want to understand Bach, so they'll dress up like him, and eat the food that he ate, and I guess try and play on old pianos, and try to recreate everything that they know about him, so they can get into his headspace. That's also an attempt at understanding, to move your perspective into that of the other person. Now, in German, verstehen, to understand, well, it's similar to English where the word stand, which is stehen, but the under becomes fair, F-E-R, and I think that's more meaningful, gives you a better clue as to the movement or the shift in where you stand. Stand in that person's shoes. See things from that person's eyes. Be inside that person's mind. Try and understand the context in which they created the idea. So, by recording this, Assuming, now we're going to bet now, that we're going to be successful with this endeavor to find a, something new. And, um, Something new.
Okay. Well, first of all, we have to understand what has been done. So we have to understand the old stuff. We have to read all these journals. And, um... All these books. Or is there a Wikipedia entry? That we can just look up. So we're going to have to restrict this to information that's publicly available. Um, unless, of course, I get the hot tips that there's information that has not been made public or behind a paywall that's absolutely essential. So we're going to have to first survey all the public knowledge until we get to the paywalled journals of the elite ACMs and Springers and all those scientific people who don't want to share their knowledge <clears throat> with me unless I'm a member of a group of paying customers. So we're going to have to make a decision here how much we're actually going to pay to get this knowledge. Like, maybe you have to go to the library, or maybe, a lot of times you could just write to the author and ask them for a copy, and they'll send it to you. to read a lot maybe and understand it maybe some books and then um <clears throat> to reference those I'll have to reference those and um, give quotations as to important information so people don't have to actually buy these books. So I'm just kind of going over how to write a scientific thesis idea from Umberto Eco. And I guess we could do a survey paper 
but I really want to try and advance this idea. So I think what we're going to have to do is um, read up on some of these uh, human language words and make that connection. And then marry these two th theories, that of computers and that of people together. Where we place, so the theory is that Here's a theory that the computer program is an artifact of art, or possibly an artifact of art, and can be evaluated in the context of that theory. You can evaluate the computer as a piece of literary art, the program, the documentation, and then evaluate it in that terms of that theory. So, there you go. So we're going to say that the computer program, plus its context, not just the raw program, but the documentation, the, the chats, the uh, public records about it, the um, forum posts, the stack overflows and all that stuff. <clears throat> that body of text and knowledge makes up an art. I guess that's what you call it, the reception. So we have the actual work and the associated documentation that is distributed with the work. We have different layers rings of layers or rings of um, information distanced we kind of went over all of this but we're kind of giving a recap but I think the theory is sound that we're just going to say there is a variable X and this variable X appears to the mind and this variable X is the source code. Look at this, the sewer is steaming. Why would the sewer be steaming? Unless someone is pouring hot, hot water into it. Maybe they're taking a bath or doing some...
So, <clears throat> a variable x and a function f. x is a bit of software. f is a perception function. And I guess we have another function, which is the action function wrapped around it. So the results of the perception are then passed into the action. I guess we'll have a... We could apply some military idea here for security. We could say we have an OODA loop. Uh, observe, orient, <coughs> decide, and act. So the action function takes the decision function, the decision function takes the orientation function, the orientation function takes the observation function, and the observation function takes the x. And we have a world where we have agents consuming resources, executing these functions. Contexts. They belong to different groups. Got insiders and outsiders in societies. Got soldiers and spies. Political parties. different affiliations, so I guess we could apply this theory as well. To the humans. And I guess we're getting into kind of bringing the human in, but through a different theories. So basically we're going to take some theories that involve people and observing things, the human-computer interaction, and we're going to bring that in. of philosophies of creating concepts. So one of those actions taken by one of the actors is the creation of a concept. of a concept. Which involves the understanding of it. 
and that understanding of a concept could be done through code, reading of code, and that creation of the concept could be done through code, writing of code, and associated documentation. So that maybe our concepts Maybe our concepts are <clears throat> maybe our concepts first of all can be represented as symbols or as art, encoded in art, the idea. Maybe the concept is the idea of art, conceptual art or some other kind of art. So there we go, have another bridge between the theories. Maybe it's just a symbol. Maybe it gets represented as a piece of chunk of memory in the computer. Like how much memory does the concept take? And is it computer readable and computer reasonable, or is it just human readable and human reasonable? So can the computer be made to reason on these concepts? And then we get into this point of reducing things down to points themselves. Like just because we can make one connection between two theories doesn't mean we can make a full connection. Right? We could say that this in some cases implies that. This is in some way connected to that but not all things are that way. Not everything is a concept, etc., etc. And then I was thinking maybe we can bring in something like some kind of statistic, like Play Store or App Store installs and ratings as a function of the reception of the idea And maybe we could um, understand these apps, these mobile apps, and study them. And model them, because Well, their app stores contain information about them. We don't have source code for a lot of them.
But we can download the jar files and decompose them. Or whatever it is. I know more about the Android stuff. Or we could look at the F-Droid for open source. And see if we can do a deeper analysis because they're open source. And then we can try and model them on utility and concepts. What concepts are they communicating? What functions do they promise? But at some point, we're going to <clears throat> not want to um, to do that because it's going to be a lot of work so we might sample some of these we could also take Linux distributions or apps Anyway, um, this is gonna, that's a big topic, like picking different software based on its popularity. GitHub stars, Then the question becomes, well, can I make this document, this theory, also executable? Not just a document, but a document tied in with other things. Can we make it semantic web type linked? Could make an ontology out of it, out of the actual source document. Make source code out of it. And um, do we need a web language, or can we just? Describe it in such a way <clears throat> So do we have to make combined syntax or not? And then Can we expand on the latex macros and introspect that? And what can we learn? Can we make a collection 
of documents in that format. Remember, tech, tech info as a simplified latex. These are some pretty deep things of knowledge. So that was a pretty uh, long brainstorm there. I'm not sure what our theory is now, but we talked about single syntax versus multiple syntaxes, a single unified theory versus multiple unified multiple theories interconnected. And I guess there's some kind of framework for connecting two theories together. You have a theory about a situation X. And this is where they fit together. So I guess we could start by making these connections. Like there's a piece of art. And that computer program could be considered, that piece of computer program could be considered a piece of art. <clears throat> and uh, under what circumstances? A piece of literature, this computer program could be considered a piece of literature under what circumstances? symbol. So now we're going to get into semiology. So we can just start bringing in different functions that could uh, be used to brought to bear or used to evaluate this X. You can understand it as a sociological movement. Expression of com communication. So yeah, I think we we are going to um, to attempt it like that. So we're going to try and bring multiple fields of study and connect them. If this hasn't already been done, 
and then we're going to try and unite these different theories. Now, that could get very difficult. So Wolfram tried to unite all these different theories. He had to come up with his own theory and his own representation. came up with his own low-level graph representation and these um, operations on there. And I've been making good headway with that for the uh, introspector. Uh, <clears throat> and um, can we do that for these different syntaxes? Can we represent them as graphs and then um, create rules to operate on them? Can we find something that would synthesize multiple uh, theories? connect them. So it's really, can we find a lower level representation that is flexible enough for both to unite two different theories? Can we just represent them as like Haskell functions or something? I mean, prologue, we unify the concepts, and really I want to know is can I do prologue in Haskell, like this backwards chaining and stuff like that. I think I can. <clears throat> okay. So yeah, we're really getting deep, deep, deep into this. Now, <clears throat> I ended up bookmarking and deleting a whole bunch of podcasts I downloaded for space. I was running out of space. And there's so many things we could cover. There's so many great ideas. We have to focus, and we have to take a long-term view of this. <clears throat> a long-term view of this project, and what's the point of adding in all this, these theories, and I mean, what does it actually bring us, let's say? What's the actual value? So this is kind of where well we wanted to prove 
there's some communication happening outside of the code from computer to computer, from compiler to machine, that there's some connection between the words and the code. There's some concept being communicated. What do I need all these theories for? What do we need all these theories to do that for? What are we actually trying to prove? We're just trying to sound smart. We're trying to just write down some ideas and why would someone look at it? What's the utility function of this? What's the utility? What's in it for me? What's in it for you? What's the value proposition? Boy, there's wood pile steaming. My dad said if you just put pipes, water pipes, and run them through piles of wood chips, that they'll heat up. So I counted one police car so far. Coming to see what I'm doing. can break this down like this. A computer is a representation of some kind of Turing machine. A program is input designed to run on top of a Turing machine. A compiler is a program that runs on a Turing machine. But in the end, program that it runs, the compiler is Turing equivalent. So you have a machine that runs a machine that produces a machine that runs on a machine. And all of these are indecidable, undecidable. So high degrees of openness and ambiguity, but the model is there. So we definitely have a model of computation and we try and squeeze our other models into that model of computation. We're trying to encode them on top of it to carry it. 
we try and squeeze math and other things into this computation. And I guess the theory is, the theory we came up with the other day is that we could <clears throat> encode somehow the concepts and the computation together so that the code when executed would emit the concept. as well as do something else. This quine function. So that was one theory. That hasn't been proven or disproven. It was just an idea. And we considered if we could embed the documentation in there as well. Into the function we could make it a self-documenting like Emacs type system. You could browse the functions, select them, interact with them visually. If we had some user state and the user state could be just a REPL where they type in characters and for every character they type in, it gives you some state. That's the REPL state, but we could have multiple REPLs. And we could have... Um, the ability to click on items. So the output could be a tree or a graph that you could click on. And we could define all types of operations that they could do. I'm going to have to get a, some stick out of my shoe here, so... Oh. We could define some type of user interfaces. Now, the reason why I mentioned mobile is I, I would like to have some kind of mobile app for the very fact that mobile apps represent something easy and accessible. So let's just say that this paper, this theory could compile to a mobile app. Right? And then could execute on your phone, possibly uh, connect to some server or not. Just tie my shoes here. <clears throat> so let me just check my recording. recording 22 hours left everything looks hunky-dory
There we go. No more sticks in my shoe. All right. In my boots. Even if the boots are a little heavier, it doesn't matter. It's not how fast you go. It's the journey. We could also wear like lead boots, super heavy ones, and put weights on my legs and walk around like that. We'd be slower. There's my little baby deers. I miss them. My deer, deery deers. I didn't see so many deers in. Uh, I saw a lot more bows though. Pawn shop was full of bows, crossbows and bows. I didn't see so many deer running around. So yeah, can we um, <clears throat> create a mobile phone app? And what would it look like? I was thinking that you could make some kind of decision tree based on the probabilities of um, symbols occurring in the compiler, the ASTs, and um, <clears throat> Probabilities could be like, well, we would start with something like this, like a declaration. You start with some kind of declaration. And we're most likely going to start with a data type declaration first. And probably with a structure or a type def struct. Alright, so it would give you that in the very beginning where you could just click on type def struct and then be able to enter in its name or even skip the name and just create a struct and fill in the name later. Right? So that it would contain all these statistical probabilities of what items people would select You know, it's like, is it a string or an int? The field. You can create a, put a field in your struct. Is it a string or an int? And um, <clears throat> that way we could construct trees on the phone, um, concepts like structures or tuples, function parameters lists of parameters and we would do this based on conditional probabilities
so I guess we want to start with what are the, and this would be per project, so you could load up the presets of a project and load in those conditional probabilities. And there would be a compact representation of them, a couple of numbers, not a huge amount, some strings or some ideas, some things. That'd be a pretty cool mobile app, so you could do some coding on your phone. And also, well, we want to be able to include, to do the same thing for other languages like LaTeX. Or editors. And they give you those toolbars at the top. But I'm also thinking like selecting words. Like there's a system so you can select letters for your eye on eye tracker. So we'll just look at your eye and track your eye movements. I guess I could track all types of facial stuff and you could train it to go up and down and select. I guess you would select by stop moving. So all you have to be able to do is blink or do one muscle movement and then you could become a programmer. Now if you can't see, we also have to give you audio feedback. picture of this for our album. So for the um, for the deaf people app will not only give you visual feedback, because it's not going to be useful for them, but it'll give you an audio feedback. And by giving them conditional probabilities, we can reduce the amount of choices they have to make. And you could have a computer voice reading you something, and then you would select between them. And I guess you could just use the, um, well, you could still use your face, right? But the feedback would be presented the feedback would be presented at a uh, in audio. And then you could also do things like stop it and say, okay, I want to record a new sound for this thing, or I want to recognize a pattern that we just saw and create a new concept, okay? 
and introduce one. So not only could we record existing concepts, but we could also, I mean, share existing concepts. We could record a new one, like new patterns, where the user could stop the system at any time and um, select items, increase the selection, go left, right, up and down, and all that. And uh, grab a couple of different things and say, okay, this is my new concept here. And then the system would learn that new concept. And then when it's presenting it, it would match that pattern. And instead of reading back five different things, it would read back one different thing. And you could even record a sound to say what that one thing is. So we could start with like, what is a blank slate? Like what are the parts that you would start with with a blank slate? What are top level things? Well, in C it'd be like types, constants. Functions. Yeah, and then we could um, pretty sure we could do this with uh, Haskell on the phone. through a browser and they could use their own um, existing accessibility features in the browser that they feel comfortable with instead of learning new ones have the stuff run on a micro server in the background on the phone itself or on another system So yeah, I think the uh, user choices could be represented as a string or a list of choices made, represent the context. And that would throw up some user interface, which would be sound and uh, visual, and throw up some controls then could again be used to modify things. That's the output of it. And then the user would then use those controls
yeah, I think we're going to uh, be able to create a podcast app like that as well. But I also want voice commands. Not just blinking your eyes, but I want text, speech to text. And I wanted to say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. You know, the uh, Mycroft AI. Like, why can't I just install that on my phone? Where's my Mycroft for the phone? Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to switch switch segments. Um <clears throat> I think we got some pretty good ideas here. We're going to now talk about some Now we're going to talk about some other things, I guess. They seem so far away, though. Everything in my mind that I'm not thinking about right now. Everything on this podcast that I've talked about, I'm not talking about right now. Okay, well, it was funny because you know how the other day I said to Google, I have some feedback for it? Well, I got an email from Google asking me if I wanted to join their product team. I guess that's also because I gave them some... uh, I was doing some map edits, or I also started some map edits, and then I gave up on using map edits. But I also talked about it on this podcast, so is it possible that the Googles are listening to this podcast and responding to it? I don't think so. More likely they're responding to app behavior, but it's a juicy concepts. They like juicy concepts. Spicy ones. Spicy and juicy. So, good morning. So, um, what I was thinking, you know, is it possible that the uh, the Googles are listening and responding to such things? That's an interesting idea. We talked about how we're going to build a question or a sentence that would crash the global computer. Well, can we crash the Google with a query? 
Is there a query that we could write that could break the Google? Or... a legal action we could take that would trick it? That must be easier. But those could be considered to be kitsch ideas and not masterworks, masterpieces. So, in the theory of art, we want to not produce kitsch or low quality. So we're going to have to develop a taste and evaluate things from an art perspective. Like, how much of the existing masters have we studied? Are we wasting people's times by reinventing something that's already been done? Are we actually presenting anything new? These are the questions we should be asking ourselves from an art and value perspective. Because the artists, people produce art all the time. But not everything is valuable, collectible, desirable. And that's kind of where we're getting into this human aspect. What's the value? Like, can you hit someone over the head with it? Can you use it in anger? Is it a weapon? Or is it something beautiful? Does it make you, lend you status? Does it show you as the connoisseur of art? Someone who has a good eye. So, we want something that has the promise of being something new. Or interesting. Or making a connection. We want something that will capture the imagination of the observer and make them want to learn more about it, to evaluate it, to go deeper. And then we can consider what are the next questions and steps that they might take. and present to them in order, in the right order, to deliver the ideas in a way that would seem natural to them, to make decisions Morning guys! Oh, it's okay. Oh, look at that, yeah. I know that one. Yeah, dog, dog walkers have to uh, always be wary of other dogs. So, can we present the... Um, we order the ideas in, in a way that seems natural or logical? 
can we think about what questions they might ask? We have those probabilities, and can we also study and learn from others how they present things? And besides the fact of creating dependency graphs and purely logical structures, we also want to look at this tapestry idea, the weaving, and um, consider the art aspect or beauty. So there's this lady who made this video and she's combing her hair with two brushes and she says, the art must be beautiful and combs her hair with the right hand and then she combs her hair with the left hand and says the artist must be beautiful and then she keeps on repeating that over and over again I thought that was hilarious good morning must be beautiful, the artist must be beautiful. So I'm thinking that, you know, listening to um, Lex's podcast, he always wants to say, oh, that's a really beautiful idea. He loves these beautiful ideas. He's a romantic. So... I'll say for Lex, the idea must be beautiful, right? The presentation must be beautiful. People want also aesthetics in their scientific papers. They want to have it, the idea to be beautiful, but also the presentation to be beautiful. So the paper must be beautiful and the concept must be beautiful, right? And then people will feel attracted to it. The images must be beautiful. Like, can we give people an image to look at? Something that will capture their imagination. Or they don't read the text. They just look at the image. So the art must be beautiful. And what are the aspects of a beautiful art that we could put into our mathematics or papers to um, make the papers more appealing? Right? And this is where we go into studying existing work that's popular. And um, yeah, Vlad was misunderstood for a long time because he broke the cultural norms and he didn't care about being understandable or his ideas being beautiful. And I have attempted to read his stuff in the past, I just didn't get it. And it took me a Lex, Lex's interview to even become interested in it because we know that Lex is interested in beautiful ideas. So he's always looking for those. And that first brings up the point. We've reached the island. And it says, Welcome to the island, a beautiful place. Stacy Park. 
city of Trenton. All right. Squadron of geese, or is it a gangle of geese? All right, so is the idea beautiful? Is the concept beautiful? Is it new? Is it interesting? Does it capture our imagination? Let's start with that. Is it open to interpretation? Is it understandable? Can we imagine something with it? Does it resonate with us? Or at least make us curious? promise something. Now, um, Winston, Professor Winston, I think, Patrick H. Winston, said, um, you have to tell the people what they're getting into. You have to make a promise of value when you start out. <clears throat> and this uh, art guy said, that the encoding of the art will give clues to its interpretation and his diagnostic framework for art. So maybe um, the artwork can contain that promise somehow in it. Good morning. Did you see the cat or did you see the geese? Did he see the cat? No, he didn't. All right. They probably going to go chase him. Yeah. So. The geese are back. More geese. Looks like they're flying north. Hope they don't poop on me. 
so um So, uh, so, and you know, there's a lot of different ways you can say so. You'd be like, um, and then you could just, there's all types of fillers that people use in these conversations where they don't exactly know what they're going to say next, they need time to load it, but they kind of hide that fact. But the promise of something valuable, like a tantalizing, titillating uh, something, a glimpse of a hope, a shimmer of hope, Right? These are uh, some things that we could introduce. We also have to fulfill those, those promises and deliver on them. So, I guess in the stretching out or ordering of things, you could. Split it in two and put some of it in the beginning and some of it in the end. Create the, the arc. The arc of the story. We could look at it like a movie. And there's all types of uh, ways to look at things. We could sit there. But then also we have to look at it from the perspective of someone who knows, who's a professor, who's really seen everything, and who's just going to take it apart, and any attempt to hide anything will be seen through. And we have to also expect extreme skepticism, where any weakness will be exploited. So, we're going to have to look at this from multiple aspects. And really ask why? What are we doing? What's the audience? Is our audience the eighth grader or is our audience the professor?
Well, it's good to be back. Back in the hood. Back where I know things, where I am. And then we're going to have to determine how much background information we're going to have to present. Supporting evidence. And how much you can do at one time. And if we could deliver this in pieces. Do I have to actually deliver the whole thing at once or can I just do piecemeal? Okay, now we're getting a phone call. Let's stop this tape. Okay, are we back? We're recording? Well, that was cool. So yeah, we stopped for a phone call. Yeah, this is a pretty good system. <sighs> so yeah, we're not only going to look at concepts, but we're going to look at marketability. Right? Like, that's why the art idea is good. Because it's like, is it really good art? Is it marketable? Is it interesting? Um, 
Will it survive? Is it a masterpiece or is it a piece of kitsch? Or a piece of crap? So value judgment. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just tell you um, about some of the podcasts I was listening to. Peter Schiff brought up some interesting information. He said the lead analysis analyst from the Bank of America said that if Biden wins the House and the Senate and the presidency, would be the best for the economy or the stock market because he said that the stimulus plan would be the highest so and uh, Schiff said that the worst for the economy would be if one party controlled the house and the stimulus would be unleashed and the best would be to have a conflict between them that would block the stimulus because more stimulus is bad for the economy not good So what's good for the stock market is not necessarily good for the economy, is what he's saying. So that was interesting. And I fell asleep during the Free Talk Live. I was listening to the No Agenda show a bit. Oh, the podcasting 2.0. They never responded to my idea for the GPG or the signatures signing of the um, podcasts. But do I really want to get involved in that? Do I really care? You know? guess in my world and I'm going to have to fight my way out of it I feel like the 
We were watching The Hobbit yesterday. That was great. I mean, I was trying to get my son to be interested in some something else. So uh, I told him about the story of The Hobbit, and then we uh, listened to like a chapter one of the audiobook. And then we were watching like the YouTube version of it. We have like 70 clips, um, somewhat random order, some scenes skipped. That kind of tells the story. And um, I was just thinking about that. And the one dwarf's father was locked in the dungeon of the necromancer and Gandalf rescued the map and the key from him. And sometimes I feel like I'm locked up in the dungeon of my mind. And, uh, people who don't get so caught up in this bullshit that I do are generally more productive in producing applications that are useful and marketable. And maybe I'm over-intellectualizing getting lost in the mind. So, I guess the cut and copy and paste world propagates itself because people are used to copy and pasted apps that look like each other. And maybe that is the concept. Take some, make a bad copy of a popular app. I was just thinking about modal dialogues. How many times have you wished you could just take a modal dialogue and click it in the background?
that say not now, wait, I need you to get some other information and not have to close it. Yeah, I think we're really uh, fading out here, so we're going to uh, cut this off at this point, and uh, maybe we'll listen to some clips, maybe not. Um, I think we're going to just call this podcast for the day, and... Um, go do something else because there's only so much we have to say right now and my mind is basically drained out so thank you for listening thank you for joining me on my walk I've got another half an hour to go uh, maybe I'll hop back in maybe not have a great day